0: All right, good morning, y'all. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you online. I can't see you, but good to see you. Uh, and it's good to be seen. I am glad that uh, on this uh, Sunday before Thanksgiving, um, as abnormal as everything is, we can still gather and, uh, and worship together and open the Word together. Uh, I wish we could be doing it in person, but Uh, We will do what we can and make the most of what is. Obviously, it's been an incredibly difficult season for our country and our region. Uh, Infection rates continue to be off the charts, so I want to encourage you. Let's stay safe, y'all. The only safe thing we can do at this point is assume that everyone we meet uh, is contagious and that we ourselves are. Uh, That's how we protect one another and uh, and seek to ultimately um, help make it through this season in the best way we can. So happy Thanksgiving, y'all. I hope that this week is going to be a week of joy for you, uh, even though many of you, Thanksgiving is going to look a lot different this year. Let's make the most of what is and gravitate toward joy and uh, and not toward grumbling, okay? All right, so I want to remind you a couple important ways for us to stay connected during this season of disconnection. If you have not yet, please download the Church Center app. You can do that on the uh, whatever store you use to download your apps. There's important information, ways to give, ways to stay connected uh, on that. And as well, if you haven't yet, please text Yeah Buddy to 618 3210 uh, that is the most efficient way for us to communicate to you, to send direct texts. And uh, we would love to have you be connected to us in that way. All right. Last week, we started our Advent series. We started two weeks early. Uh, I decided to jump the gun. I thought we needed a little bit more Advent this year. And so we started Advent before Thanksgiving. Uh, and we started by looking at um, a very non Advent text, right? We looked in Romans 15. And I uh, started our series last week with that and continuing with it this morning. And, and, and the reason I went there is that it draws the themes of suffering and hope along with the context of, of difficult community. <clears throat> because I think uh, there are a lot of things there in Romans 15 that speak to us in our current condition, right? Romans, uh, the church in Rome when Paul wrote this letter, it was a diverse community, it was, it was racially diverse, it was socially diverse, it was politically diverse. They were coming to the gathering with, with religious diversity in their background before they had become followers of Christ, and while they're all followers of Christ now, of course, you bring all of that history with you into the gathering, all of those convictions and all of those, and some of those things are, are just under the surface kind of unexamined, you know, like these are just things everybody values. These are things everybody does, right? Some of you were raised in a home where you made your bed every single day, and it was a shock when you found out there were people out there that had never made their bed, right? They're barbarians. How could they be so uncouth? You just assumed everybody, and, and some of you are like, people make their bed, right? Why? Why? You're just going to sleep in it again, right? My point is we bring convictions, we have these things in our background, and often when, when, when these things just seem so intuitive to us, we're like shocked when other people don't have the same convictions. When they don't do it the same way, they don't see the world the same way, they don't have the same political convictions as we have, they, they, they don't vote for the same candidates, they, they whatever, right? And, and so Romans 14 is Paul's wading into that complex area of relationship um, and and kind of convict uh, uh, calling the community right to uh, stop feeling the need to judge people right who have freedoms that you don't think they have. They're doing things you shouldn't. You think they shouldn't be doing. Stop stop judging them. Right? And stop despising people who don't have freedoms you do have. Right? You are, you're like, these are, these are things that just make sense to me. I, we should all be doing these things. We all have the, and, and some people don't have the freedom to do it. Stop despising those whose consciences keep them bound in ways that you're not. Right? Stop judging and start loving. That's kind of the thrust of Romans 14, man. Stop feeling the need to sit in God's chair of judgment. God will judge. That's his job. And he'll do an incredibly good job at it. He doesn't need your help. You have not been called to sit in the judgment seat of God. You have been called to be an ambassador for Christ with this incredible message of love. So that's what we need to do is is love, right? We need to be on mission to love God and love others, to be disciples who make disciples. Now to do this, Paul tells the Romans, you're going to need Advent hope, and that's where Romans 15 comes in. Our passage in Romans 15. To do this, you're going to need Advent hope. I just want to reread uh, these core verses. For Christ, in verse three, did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So he quotes Psalm 69, uh, describing Jesus. Right? Look, follow his example. Right? And then he goes on, in verse four, for whatever was written in former days talking about Psalm 69, but it applies just as much to Romans 15, was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God, right? So, so what he's saying is, Psalm sixty-nine wasn't just written to describe Jesus. It was written to instruct us, right? That that through endurance and through the encouragement of Scripture, we might have hope. Right? So, so what Paul is saying is, he isn't just talking about any hope here. No, we're not talking about generic hope. He is talking about advent hope. We talked about this a little bit last week, right? Advent hope is the hope that arises in us because Christ has come and he is coming again, right? It's important to remember that Advent is not the same as Christmas. So when I say we've extended the Advent season, I'm not saying we've extended Christmas itself. Christmas is the celebration of the birth of Christ. And it's a time to get together with family and friends and the body of Christ and, and to celebrate uh, that God broke into the world. By becoming man, right? Advent is the season of waiting. Advent is the season of yearning for God to break in, uh, that He will break into our darkness with His light and show up with, with His grace and His justice and set things right and wipe away our tears, right? Advent hope is the hope that we have because He has come and because He has promised that He will come again. Now, last week we looked at Romans 5 uh, to see how Paul defines hope, right? Because hope is one of those words he he develops all the way through the book of Romans, right? So let's put these verses back up, Romans 5, verses 2 through 5, and and we looked at this, right? We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, and hope doesn't doesn't disappoint or doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts, right? Hope is, uh, uh, the hope of the glory of God is Advent hope right? We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now again, I want to re- define our terms, right? Because um, I think we have some funny ideas about glory, right? We think of glory as, as potentially this bright shining light, you know, glowing. That's not going to be a whole lot, that's not going to be a very powerful hope for you, I don't think. You know, one day I'll get to glow, right? Like a glow stick. Um, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying that one day you're going to glow, Right, nor is he he talking we often associate glory with moral perfection that somehow what that means is is um God is morally perfect, which is true, and it's an aspect of glory, but it is not glory it, it, this does not mean that we have the hope that one day we'll be morally perfect and we'll no longer do bad things that that that's not what he's talking about glory when 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 Paul is talking about glory. Um, he's not talking about some strange glowing brightness or moral purity. What he's talking about is a a function. He's talking about a status. We were created in the image of God to manifest the glory of God by imaging God. We are unique in in the entire created order as humans. We were designed to be the stewards of all of creation, and in that position, we were to bear a, a, a dominion, an authority, a stewardship where we image God by, by taking care of what is and expanding it and creating more, right? Doing both the, the preserving work of what God has given us, but also the expanding work of, of continuing to create and explore and, 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 and explore science and art and, and relationships and, and, and all of these things, right? We were designed to image God not to look like Him, but to act like Him, and to be subregents to Him, right? That is our glory. Now, that's the glory we lost through our sin, right? Instead of imaging God, we now image selfishness. We we now image self-protection. We now image greed, right? When we are our, our imaging to one another, very seldom are we actually imaging the glory of God. What we're imaging is the glory of self. We want people to think highly of us, we want people to to um, to defer to us, we want people to, to give to us. Um, but that is the selfishness of, of a self-centered, broken heart that is focused on on self-glory, right? Jesus broke in to this world as man, and and he lived a human life, man as man was created to be, fully submissive to his father, fully fully imaging his father, not because he was God incarnate, but because he was man as man was created to be, He, he was the glory of God, the first man to ever fully and faithfully image God, and because he lived the life we should have lived and then died the death. We deserve to die because He was our substitute in judgment, dying in our place, and then rose again in victory, having paid the price. We, too, have the hope of being restored to glory. We, too, now have the hope of being set free from our self-centeredness into the glory of God, of functioning as we were created to function, to be what we were created to be. This is the hope, y'all. This is the hope that's at the, hope, at the heart of every other hope. This is Advent hope, and this is the foundational hope to every other hope, right? Think about it. Some of you are, are laboring really hard. We're toward the end of the year, and, and, and what you're hoping for is potentially a promotion or in your workplace or, or recognition or, or whatever it is, and, and I, would, I would tell you that at the heart of that hope isn't the recognition of your workplace. What you're really hoping for is eternal significance. And and you're needing someone to remind you that you are eternally significant. At the heart of that hope is an Advent hope. What you really want is Advent hope, that that you're manifesting the glory of God in these lesser glories, right? You, You want to be seen as beautiful or strong or desirable. What you really want is the unconditional, infinite love of God poured out on one who is reflecting His glory. Right? You want to be productive and useful? What you really want is to be able to use your unique gifts in a way that bring unique benefit, glory to God and benefit to others. Some of you are like just dying for a vacation. You just, you just want to get away. You just want to go someplace beautiful, right? What you really, really want, honestly, is, is not a day on the beach, although that would be awesome. What you really want is genuine renewal. You want genuine rest, because you know as well as I do that you can often go on vacation and come back more tired than when you left, right? It gives you an experience, but it doesn't give you the hope beneath the hope, the thing that you're really wanting. What I'm saying is that Advent hope is the hope under the hope. It is what you truly want. All of these lesser hopes, they're not bad, but they can't take the place of Advent hope. They don't have the ability to give you what you truly want. Advent hope, man, Advent hope. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice that because He became man, lived the life we should have lived, died the death we deserve to die, rose again, because of that He came, we can be forgiven, we can be redeemed, we can be restored, and we can once again be what we were created to be. Now here's the thing with hope, y'all. We both love it and hate it. You know why, because hope is a is a really interesting mixture of joy and suffering, isn't it hope is a is an interesting mixture, right? It feels so good and and it hurts um, why? Because the reason you're hoping for something is because you don't have it. you want it, but you don't have it, right? The treasure you're longing for is there, but it's not here yet. And so as you meditate and think about that treasure, it awakens joy within you because it's the thing that you want, but it also awakens pain in you because it's the thing you don't have. And the more poignant the hope becomes, the more poignant both the joy and the pain become, right? It it creates a sense of expectancy, this sense of yearning, this sense of of longing for fulfillment that is both life-giving and Painful. And honestly, this is the exact reason that some of us have tried to turn off that piece of us that hopes, our, our hopers, right? We tried to find the light switch to just turn it off. You know why? Because when you long for something and it doesn't happen, what are you left with? You're just left with the pain. You didn't get the joy. You're just left with the pain, and 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 the more you hoped the more painful the disappointment becomes. The more difficult the suffering is. Y'all, this is exactly what happens every single time when we take a secondary hope and turn it into a primary hope. When we take secondary hopes and try to turn them into Advent hopes. Here's the thing. Paul is assuring us, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You've been let down over and over and over again. You've been let down by people that that should have been trustworthy. You've been let down by situations that should have come through. You have been let down. But Advent hope never puts us to shame. Advent hope never disappoints. But to experience it, and to keep experiencing it, and to grow in it, you're going to need endurance. Paul links endurance to hope in both our passage in Romans 15 and in, in that passage in, in Romans 5 that we've been looking at. There's a couple of verses here in Romans 5 that I skipped. <laughs> um, there were three little dots, that ellipsis, right? So what I want to do is fill that in. I want to pull these verses back in because I want you to see that there is an intentional connection in Paul's thinking between hope and, uh, and endurance, okay? So let me reread this now with those verses inserted. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. All right, I want you to follow the logic here, right? We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's where we've started, right? We have this hope that we can be what we were created to be that we can actually be what we were created to be, that, that, that we, can, we can exercise our strengths, we can find true rest and fulfillment, we can, we can experience genuine love, right? Because he has come and he is coming again, I can be redeemed and restored uh, by faith in, in his finished work, right? I can be restored to the glory that I was created for. But because of that hope, I now also rejoice in my suffering. That is like one of the weirdest thoughts in the entire book right? Um, I rejoice in my suffering, right? Who does that? All right, I want to make it clear. We're not talking about being some weirdo who likes pain, okay? That's not what he's saying. The gospel doesn't turn you into a weirdo who likes pain. What he's saying is, is that the pain does something in us that we can't get to without it, and as a result, we come to rejoice in the pain. Because it is the necessary pathway to take us where we desperately want to go. Right? Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces hope, the kind of hope that does not put us to shame, that does not disappoint us. So let's take a moment and talk about endurance. Endurance is this great this this great word. In Greek, it's huponin and uh when i was learning greek way 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 back in the day um i, I would play make word pictures in my head to help me remember the vocabulary and and uh hoopo means under mane means to remain and and hoopo of course hippopotamus i just always pictured this hippopotamus going under the water and like staying there forever right um cuz i know that if i go into the water and hold my breath i have a fairly short tolerance for that discomfort you know what i'm saying like, like I could maybe get a minute, maybe. I don't even know. I, I, didn't, I haven't tested it. Um, but hippopotamus, men, they just go into the water and they like just chill out. They're like hanging out down there. It's like, it's like the discomfort isn't even discomfort to them, right? So this idea of endurance is the ability of remaining under discomfort without hitting the eject button, without lashing out without flailing out, without running away. Hupomone, endurance, is a strength that that equips you to remain under, right? Endurance is a strength that makes hard things easier. Endurance is a strength that makes heavy things lighter. Right? We often want to escape discomfort. That's our first impulse. When we hit discomfort, generally our first impulse is, is how, do I, how do I get out of this space? How do I get out of this experience? How do I get out of this? Right? When often the reality is what we need is, is not escape, but greater strength. Because greater strength makes the discomfort less uncomfortable. Greater strength makes the suffering less painful. Escaping discomfort gives you temporary relief, but growing strength gives long-term blessing to you and to everybody who has to deal with you, right? If you can't tolerate discomfort, you become a pain not only to yourself, but everyone around you, and pretty soon everybody around you is doing their best to keep you out of discomfort because you create a lot of discomfort when you're in discomfort right emotional maturity is the ability to go through emotionally difficult circumstances without lashing out or running away endurance endurance gives you the strength right this is why we rejoice in our suffering because it produces endurance right you you go through you have to go through the suffering to get to the endurance you have to actually go through it to grow in it Right. And that endurance changes me. That that's that character piece, right? As I as I go through the discomfort and grow in this strength, that strength actually changes me and and it transforms my my character. I become, right? It's that old line, I'm not what I should be, but I'm not what I used to be right? I'm growing. I'm changing. I'm, I'm maturing. And as I grow in my strength, it grows my character. And as I grow in my character, it is a foretaste of my hope. Because my hope is rooted in being like Christ, the perfect man. I'm created in His image and, and the more I bear His image, the more I experience His glory and the more I experience His glory, the, the more I find the freedom of being what I was created to be. Suffering comes through, in, or endurance comes through suffering, character comes through endurance and hope grows as we grow in character. Endurance is absolutely essential to hope. If you want to grow uh, in, in strength uh, of joy, you have to grow in strength of endurance so that your discomfort in the moment doesn't derail your hope and, and cause you to set it in lesser things, right? Uh, it doesn't lead you to try to escape or, or, or find quick relief or, or, or other things, right? That's how you like like, Steve, man, come on, man. That's the very thing I don't have. That's why I'm so exhausted, I've tried to be strong, and I can't every time I try, like I just double down, I will be strong i I will resist escapism i i will I will tolerate discomfort i-i will do these things, and the more I double down, the more I fail. I hear what you're saying, Steve, but I can't go where you're pointing. well, I want to make it really clear where I'm pointing because I am not pointing at you fixing you. I'm not talking. Endurance, here's the thing, y'all. Biblical endurance is wrapped up in Advent hope. Advent hope is the source of biblical endurance. This is the critical thing to understand. When the Bible talks about endurance, it's not talking about your ability to be strong for God. It's talking about growing in the faith that He is strong in us. Biblical endurance doesn't come from your commitment to God. It comes from you growing in your ability to rest in His commitment to you. Biblical endurance doesn't come from your willpower. It comes from the power of His Spirit doing in you what you cannot do for yourself. Endurance doesn't come from getting stronger it comes from learning to be comfortable with being weaker one of the greatest drains on our endurance is our need to be independent well, one of the greatest drains on our endurance is our need to be strong to be to perceive ourselves as strong and independent and mature and healthy right we we want to be we want to be sufficient in ourselves and that impulse fights against the imperative that we humbly depend on God. Even in our religious performance, we will pridely, pridefully perform for God, right? Look at me, God. Look how good I'm doing. Aren't you impressed with me? Aren't you happy with me? Because I'm kind of impressed with myself. I've gone for three hours without doing that thing, right? Yay me! Aren't you going to pat me on the back, right? Listen, I will protect myself. I will prove myself. I will will fight myself. I will provide for myself. This is the heart of our sin. Not the source of our strength. This is the very thing that is robbing us of the experience of the glory of God. Because we are weak when we pretend to be strong. When we act like we can be God. (laughs) We were created to be like God, right? We were created in the image of God to be humbly dependent on God, not to compete with God, not to impress God, not to perform for God, but to moment by moment rest in humble and complete dependence on God. See, our sin leads us to, instead of joyfully resting in humble dependence on God, it leads us to perform for God and to pretend we are what we aren't. Jesus himself said, I am the vine and you are the branches. You can do nothing apart from me. John 15. Think about that metaphor. I am the vine, you are the branches. How stupid would it be for the branch to pretend it was the vine? Right To, to think that, that it can sustain itself apart from humble dependence on the source of its life. That it could be fruitful for the vine without the fruit actually coming from the vine. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Listen, endurance doesn't come from being independent from God. But learning to be joyfully and humbly Dependent on God. Suffering is one of the most powerful forces that remind us of this reality. Suffering reminds us that we are not, in fact, God. And that discomfort that we can't control is either going to drive you to resent God or drive you back in humble dependence to God. We'll either get get ticked at God because he's not doing what we want him to do. we leaving us relief or giving us enough strength or, or giving us the, you know, you're not giving me what I want so I can pretend I'm you. Or it's going to awaken a renewed experience of our humility that leads us to rest and rely on him, right? To come join him in our weakness, to be strengthened and encouraged. The gift of suffering is that it leads us to stop pretending and performing because when you're in discomfort, when you're suffering, it's really hard to pretend you're God because you can't command it to go away. You can't, by the force of your your words or the force of your will, shape reality to to what you want it to be, right? Suffering pushes us to admit our helplessness. And it's as we admit our helplessness that the idea of resting in his strength becomes incredibly attractive, right? To come to God in our weakness and in our failure and in our sin and in our shame to be loved. Not measured. Not rejected. Not critically evaluated. To be loved. When we find that, that we are loved In spite of all of our weakness, in spite of all of our failure, even though all of our pretending and our performing has been exposed for the sham that it is, when we discover that we are loved, even in that moment, in fact, have been loved all along, instead of fighting against the power and the authority of God to be like God, we will learn to rest in the love of God. Because the love of God becomes the sap that energizes our soul. The love of God is the very thing that breathes strength into us not to perform for God but to simply rest in the love of God and that is where we find endurance you don't find endurance in your commitment to to perform for God you find your endurance in resting in God's commitment to love you when the strength of his love starts flowing in our minds, in our hearts. That's when we find endurance. And this is why Paul says that he rejoices in both the hope of the glory of God and in the sufferings that increase it. Because it is through the pain that we discover our weakness, and it's through our weakness that we discover his strength, and it's in his strength that we discover the gift of endurance, and it is by experiencing that love that gives us endurance that changes us and transforms us into the image of Jesus. And as we are set free into that strength, all it does is awaken a greater hope. Because we're starting to taste a little bit of the resurrection promise of Christ. That we will in fact be redeemed and restored. Endurance increases our experience of hope, and hope increases the strength of our endurance. All right, a few practical applications as we wrap up thinking about the importance of endurance as it relates to our Advent hope. First, don't run from discomfort. Run to God for endurance. Your first impulse, my first impulse, is often to run from discomfort, to avoid it at all costs, right? There may be conversations I know I need to have, but I start avoiding the person I need to have them with. I know that there are are, um, issues that I have to address. But I run from anything that brings those issues up because I just don't want to deal with them. I'm too tired. I'm too exhausted. I start creating every excuse in the book to not do what I know I should be doing. I, I try to escape and run from the discomfort. And instead, what I need to do is run to God for greater strength for the endurance that I need so that the hard thing becomes easier. So I've, I've started running. Um, that's a sentence I never thought I would say. Um, like literally have not intentionally run in my entire adult life uh, since I played high school sports. Like I like exercise. I like hiking. I like biking. I like, but running just seemed like extended suffering and I did my best to avoid it. Uh, And and as you guys, I've told you before, as I was getting ready for some hikes in August, I started running to get ready because I wanted to do back-to-back 14ers and climb 14,000-foot peaks back-to-back on two days. When I got back from that, I decided to keep running just because I had already started and I didn't want to lose what I had gained. And, and of course, the very next step is to decide that you're going to run a marathon. And so I am going to be uh, running a marathon. I am now currently training for that. And I ran eight miles yesterday. That is the longest I have run in my entire life. Like longest time because this my training is is long and slow right now. So I ran for about an hour forty, and uh, and I covered eight miles. So that was that was farther and longer than I've run in my life. Um, here's the thing with running. All right, there's a lot of discomfort in running. Right, there's benefit to it too. I've actually started enjoying it. Those of you who are runners. I get it now, okay, I'm starting to get it, but um, there's a lot of discomfort, right? When you're running that long, everything starts hurting, right? Your legs feel heavy, your, your lungs are, and you just start imagining like, man, wouldn't it be nice just to walk for a little while? You know, wouldn't it be nice to just, you know, stop and look at the birds and, and everything kind of hurts, everything starts feeling heavy, everything just feels uncomfortable. What's interesting is, is I have found that you can start fixating on specific pains, like, oh, there's a sharp pain in my knee. Why Why is that there? Where did that come from? What's happening down there? Oh, my toe. My toe is hurting. My toe feels cramped. My And pretty soon, you're just focused on this. Everything is uncomfortable. And I think because everything is uncomfortable, you start focusing on specific discomforts, right? So my whole body hurts, but I can't stop thinking about my right foot because my toe hurts, right? Pretty soon... You're just like, man, can I just cut my toe off? Can I just what would happen if I just cut my my toe off? Listen, when we find ourselves in times of overwhelming discomfort, I think we're tempted to fixate on specific pains which makes them greater than they actually are. When we're in times of overwhelming discomfort, we often focus so so when there are thousands of things around you you can't control, you're gonna be tempted to find one thing you can. When there are thousands of things around you that hurt that you can't control, you're gonna be tempted to focus on one thing that hurts that you can you feel like you can do something about. What you want is is man, you just because of what it does, it builds up this sense of I need to change something. I need to escape this, I need to reduce the discomfort, I need to, I need to do something. And pretty soon you cut off your own toe. I, I didn't, but in the metaphor, right? So I, I let me give you a real world example. I, I met with a guy one time who uh, was leaving Trailhead. And when, when people who have become part of our community decide to leave, I try to meet with them, right? Because I want to know why they're leaving. And, and here's the thing. There are good reasons to leave a community, Right? And sometimes it's because God is calling you to something. And, and, and I want to bless people. Right, I'm not territorial. If God is blessing you to leave, then, then by all means, I want to send you out with blessing. I, I want to give you the grace of, of leaving with, with honor and with celebration. Right, um, But as he showed up and he started going through, he, he really was just listing a lot of complaints. And as we were going through the complaints and looking at them, um, some of them were valid, but they could be addressed. Some of them were concerns that he hadn't surfaced before that we could talk through. Uh, some of them weren't valid at all. They were just perceptions on his part that, that weren't rooted in reality. And, and as we kind of talked through this and we got all this kind of stuff out there, I'm like, so, so what, what about this actually means that, uh, that you need to leave, right? And, and what was interesting to me was his response. What he said was, you know what, right now, and he just kind of started just talking. He's like, "Man, my my work life is completely unstable and difficult. My my home life is difficult. My relationships are difficult, and I'm and I'm having a frustrating time with church right now. And you know what? I can't change anything, but I can change that. So I'm going to do that. All right, I I can do something about this discomfort." Um. Listen, there may be cathartic release in, in cutting off your toe, in deciding to eliminate an area of discomfort when everything feels uncomfortable. But what you need to realize is that the short-term cathartic release doesn't mean that it's in the long-term wise or in your best interest. Often the greatest blessing comes not from the cathartic release of momentary removal of displeasure, but from working your way through the discomfort, growing in endurance and growing in your ability to love God and love others and and run to God's will from your life instead of running away from discomfort. Okay, so that's our first point. Don't run from discomfort. Run to God for endurance right? Second, don't run to distraction, right? Don't run to distraction. Instead, run to the Word, right? Run to the Word for encouragement, right? Let me read you verse 4 again in 15. It says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope, right? Now we're going to talk more about encouragement next week and, and the role of encouragement in this, Uh, What I want to highlight is this, that God gave us his word, right? These things were written to give us endurance. If you want endurance, you need to be in the word. Because this is the word that reawakens your Advent hope. It's the word that tells you about your Advent hope. It's the word that tells you about the love of God. It is the word that that reintroduces you to an experience of the love of God. It, It is by being in the word that the spirit of God um, shapes us and changes us and reminds us and speaks to us. Right when we cut ourselves off from the Word and just run to our distractions, whatever they are, right—the next Netflix series or or the next sporting event or 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 the next for me, you know, potentially the next run or the next physical activity that just allows me to write whatever it is that you run to to try to distract yourself. You need to realize that what you're doing is you're, in fact, weakening yourself. You need to not run away. You need to run to, right? Don't run away to a distraction. Run to the Word of God so that your Advent hope can be strengthened, right? Don't try to numb the pain of the discomfort. Don't go to quick escapes and distractions that don't make us stronger but make us weaker. Instead, run to the Word of God. That'll actually increase your strength and remind you of the love of God and reintroduce you to an experience of that love, right? And thirdly, don't run from community. Don't run from community. Run to honest and vulnerable love. Uh, Romans 15, the whole context is community. Right Right after he says, for whatever was written in former days was written, that through endurance and, and through the encouragement of scriptures, you might have hope, verse 5, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you what? To live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, right? When we are weak, we want to hide. When we feel like our facade has been cracked, when we feel like people can actually see the mess that's behind the mask, we typically want to pull away. We want to hide. We want to, we want to get our, our act back together. You know, we want to get our Sunday face back on, right? Our good Christian face back on, our mature adult face back on. We don't want to show up with our mess. We don't want to show up with our cracks. We don't, We are right, we want to hide from ourselves when we're like that, let alone be around God or definitely other people, right? Because we don't want to be put to shame. It feels like we're being put to shame. Remember, this is the same impulse we already talked about. This is your need to pretend you're strong. Instead of humbly being weak and finding your strength and love and, and, and grace of God. Right? Instead of protecting our unhealthy, prideful independence, we need to push in to community. Like, we need each other. Romans 15, the whole context is is pushing into the discomfort of relationships with people that aren't like you, that challenge you, that sometimes make you feel things you don't want to feel, challenge ideas you don't want challenged, but you do it because God is building something in the community that you can't experience alone, right? Western individualism is a lie and a trap. You were not created to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You were not created to find your way on your own, to be strong on your own and independent on your own. You were designed to be part of the body. You need the body to be genuinely strong and not fragile and weak, only pretending to be strong. You need relationships. You need people who know you, And you know them. You need people who love you and you love them. You need people who see your mess and still communicate to you the love of God. You need people who are going to make mistakes in your life and make you uncomfortable and say the wrong things and sometimes offend you so that you can grow in the strength of forgiving people. And you need to be around people that sometimes you offend so that you can grow in the humility of confessing and seeking reconciliation through repentance. We need the body. The mess, this mess that we call church, we need this to grow in Advent hope and to grow in endurance. Listen, the toe may be a pain, but you need the toe, right? Paul's description of the body, right? You can't despise any member of the body because you need every member of the body. We are stronger together. All right, well, as I wrap up, in this next week, we're going to be pushing out some information um, specifically to help you engage the Advent season. Uh, Brian has been working on putting together some uh, liturgical material, material that will help you develop holy habits in your homes. So if you're, uh, this is great for singles, but we're kind of focusing on parents and, and, and kids. And um, there are a lot of ways, and I think we all have to be intentional about creating holy habits. But, but Advent season is a unique time that if we're intentional, Man, we, we can really leverage this time to, to help build Advent hope, not only in our own hearts, but but in our homes. And so I'm going to encourage you over this next week, we're going to be pushing out some information about, uh, not about doing new things, but becoming intentional with the things you're already doing. Mealtimes, bedtimes, things that are already part of your rhythm. How do you, how do you weave in holy habits that are going to help strengthen Advent hope in those things? And, and again, it's applicable to everybody. Um, uh, but we want to come alongside parents and help parents do this for their kids. Fathers, dudes, dude, dudes, if you're with me, fathers, don't tune out. I need you to pay real attention over the next week. I need you to tune in. I am just going to be blunt. We have a bit of a crisis in America, in the church, where the men check out and let their wives do all the leading in the home. We need our guys leading with our gals. Man, we, we need you leading with your wives. Don't be like, oh, hey, there's a craft for Advent wreaths. I'm sure she'll take care of it. Right? We need, you need, your f- we as a community are stronger when we are leading together. Listen, y'all. Um, we need to step up and we need to be intentional. So we're going to come alongside you with, with some, some support material to help you develop holy habits in your home, right? Now, we're not talking about manning up and and, and, and um, we're just talking about not checking out, right? We're not talking about you leading and nobody else. We're talking about leading together. Moms and dads, man, let's be the formative agents in our kids' lives as we were called to do in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We'll get into that next week. All right? But look for the material because what we want to do is equip you in simple ways to create these holy habits in your home over the course of Advent so that you can help build an expectancy that is going to be a blessing to you and a blessing to your families and a blessing to our community. Okay? Let's do this together. I guess He has come and He is coming again. Let me close this in a word of prayer. We'll share communion and then uh, we will close in song. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that um, you have given us the things that we need, not the things we demand. We often want the the quick exit. We often want the quick answer. We often want um, the very things that ultimately would equip us to stay separate from you. We often want the very things that ultimately would, would make us independent from you and not weak and dependent on you, but instead you give us the very things we need. You remind us continually that you love us, and you in, you invite us in our weakness to find our strength in your love. So I pray, Lord, that that in this season, we would be a community that, that is actually being strengthened, not weakened, by the suffering. That That we would allow it to have its proper work in our lives to awaken within us, a humble dependency on you, a yearning for your presence and your power, a deep longing to experience more of your love. That, Lord, we, we might be finding genuine endurance and increasing in strength. That, Lord, we might come out of this season stronger than we went into it, allowing suffering to play its proper role in our lives. Spirit, will you encourage us to end? Will you strengthen us by reminding us of the profound love of the Father, the profound security, the profound significance, the profound rest, the profound love that we have because he has come and he's coming again. Meet us where we need to be met and strengthen us in ways we don't even understand. In Jesus' name, amen.